Hello, welcome to uh, Meet Me at the Movies. Nolte Manning II here. I uh, hope you're all doing well uh, and I hope you're uh, having fun uh, this summer. You know, summer has officially started at the box office. Uh, it, it did that. We, we've already talked about the preseason. We've talked about how the summer is designed for popcorn flicks. We gave you a sneak preview a couple weeks ago, uh, for two weeks, looking at that summer preview. And here we are to talk about one of those films we teased just a few weeks ago, Thomas. Uh, it's a it's a film that's the seventh installment uh, in a franchise that began back in 2007. Uh, we're talking about the Transformers, and, and we not, are. actually we're talking of, we're talking about that franchise. But the film we're going to review is Transformers: Rise of the Beast. Yeah, and there are beasts in this movie, and they also <laughs> rise. So if you're, if you're <laughs> that's there. Right. If that's what you're there for, then you won't be disappointed. <laughs> it lives up to its name. It truly does live up to its name. Uh, this is a franchise, Thomas, that's that's got a, made a lot of money over the years, hasn't it? Yeah, it, uh, it's up to $4.8 billion total worldwide through the first six films. Uh, so that's the five Michael Bay films. And then uh, we had the, basically the beginning of this anthology series. You had Bumblebee back in... 2018, which was directed by Stephen Knight, and uh, let's see, you had Haley Steinfeld in that film, who was just absolutely marvelous, and uh, I think that was actually my favorite of the franchise, and um, this is kind of more tonally similar to that, uh, Rise of the Beast is more tonally similar to Bumblebee than it is to you know the Michael Bay uh, five films that he made. Yeah, this uh, franchise uh, has really kind of had its ups and downs. Um, you know, some of them I truly liked. Some of them I actually truly hated, uh, including The Last Night was one of those that if anybody uh, goes back and looks at the review I did of that, uh, I, I love Anthony Hopkins, but I'm like, dude, what the heck were you thinking, man? What were you thinking? Uh, well, Mark I mean, Wahlberg. There's, there's, a, there's a little bit of paycheck, maybe. Uh. <laughs> maybe. And, and Wahlberg, too. And so this, this film, Thomas, um, I think is a lot more uh, character-driven uh, much like Bumblebee, you know, we, we really appreciated that magic that Bumble, Bumblebee brought to us. Um, so I think um, this particular film, Rise of the Beast, it really does feel like it's more in that vein. Uh, for, uh, when we talk about a time period piece, Bumblebee took place in the 80s. Uh, this particular film is set in 1994. And so uh, one of the things right off the bat, when you're watching this, you're going you're gonna to either love or hate the soundtrack, and if you're like me, you're going to love the soundtrack. That was the year that I married my bride was 1994, so uh, I, I really felt connected incredibly well to a lot of the music that was used for this uh, this interesting jukebox musical action uh, action film. Yeah, so this is directed by Stephen Capel Jr., who uh, also directed Creed Two. And uh, he just really has an interesting style and the atmosphere he creates uh, with his stories. And you mentioned the, the 90s hip-hop that we have here. It takes place in the first act primarily in New York City. So obviously the hip-hop of that era in, um, you know, in that city was just a huge part of the culture. And you know we got needle drops from the Wu-Tang Clan and a tribe called Quest and Biggie Smalls. Um, and so I was really on board in that that first act when we're kind of developing the city of New York as a character in the story and as something that complements the development 
of these characters uh, and the human characters in this film are pretty interesting in themselves. Uh, Anthony Ramos plays the character of No Diaz. Uh, and then he has a little brother uh, named Chris, who's played by Dean Scott Vasquez. And that relationship between those two was, I think, what really grabbed me. Um, not everything else worked in the film emotionally, but that central emotional uh, connection between you know Noah and his little brother that you know that always had me uh, had me with it. I loved Bumblebee, going back to Bumblebee, for that very reason. It felt a lot more heartfelt than just chaos and noise, which uh, I, which was there at the last night. It was, it was chaos, noise, mayhem, and, and not in a good way. Uh, Bumblebee had that, had that heart to it, and I, I love the relationship relationships that we saw in Bumblebee. And, and you mentioned those, those two characters, you know, play brothers, uh, Vasquez, uh, and Ramos, uh, I, I loved their chemistry. They worked really, really well. And there was a, a, another character, supporting character, uh, Dominique uh, Fishback, who um, starred at, as uh, an intern for a museum, but she was much more well-versed than, than some of the experts uh, in understanding artifacts. And she played a very key and pivotal role, pivotal role uh, in this storyline. And honestly, those were the three main cast members uh, that were humans. Uh, the rest of them were were the voice talents that we that we got to hear uh, that portrayed uh, the Transformers, uh, both evil uh, and not so evil. Uh, the, the comic relief in this Thomas, uh, I really loved too, and I think that's something that felt so organic in this. Uh, and there's a particular uh, SNL alum who got a lot of uh, screen time, uh, at least the voice did. Yeah, yeah, so I think you were probably laughing the hardest out of anybody <laughs> in the theater whenever uh, Pete <laughs> Davidson delivered a line. And uh, I am I am a big fan of a lot of Pete's stuff on SNL. His uh, segments on Weekend Update have always uh, lived up. But um, and definitely in this film, he gets fires off a few one-liners that had me chuckling. Um, I don't think everything landed for me as much as it did with you on that account, but like you are a representative of a certain demographic in the audience <laughs> who, is, who is gonna gonna be laughing as hard as you. So if you and a lot of in like a theater full of people of your age range probably got together, they would probably uh, find it just as funny as you did. So. Yeah, I, I think anybody who was either, um, you know, in high school, college, coming of age time period, maybe becoming uh, an adult and starting a family uh, around the early 1990s, I think that you're going to really appreciate uh, this film and appreciate certain aspects. We've already talked about the music, but also, you know, there are uh, specific things uh, that are connected to pre-cell phones. Uh, you talk about pagers and stuff like that. And so you, you forget, because we've had cell phones around for so long now, you forget that at that time it was a very much a rarity to, to have that. And so I, I think they really paid special attention to what was happening in 1994, uh, including, uh, you mentioned New York City. Uh, another part of this film takes place in Peru. And there's a particular scene where you see this mountain ablaze in fire. And if you look in the history books, there was a specific volcano or two that, uh, that, that showed a little bit of eruption power in 1994. And so I think from a historical standpoint, they had a lot of fun with this movie as well. 
Yeah, that was something that as we were driving back home, you pulled that up to look at. I was driving just so we make that clear. I was behind the wheel. Dad was in the passenger seat and pulled up. He was like, <laughs> is, he was like, is there was there actually a uh, volcanic eruption in Peru in 1994? <laughs> and sure enough, there you go. So I don't think um, like not many people other than history buffs or you know people who live in Peru would have caught that. But uh, but hey, good job on the background research there, Dad. <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> You know, it's interesting because usually I'm a fan of these globetrotting adventures and these uh, films that take us all across the world. But for whatever reason, um, kind of once we got out of New York City, I kept finding myself wishing we would go back. Um, and I do think uh, part of that is the way that in Bumblebee they made California so pivotal to that relationship between the character of Bumblebee and Haley Steinfeld's character. Um, and for this, New York City was felt so important to the Anthony Ramos' character. And so there were times where I kind of wish we would go back to, you know, his hometown there. Um, but, you know, I guess not everybody's going to have that same reaction. And I guess for you, um, I think you probably appreciated some of the globetrotting stuff a little bit more than me. Yeah, I did. I did. I really did. And uh, this movie, I think, is equally part Transformers. It's equally part uh, Indiana Jones. Uh, they even uh, get a little meta uh, as they're talking about uh, Indiana Jones and other films uh, get mentions in this. And then throw in uh, Night at the Museum and a little bit of uh, what, Jurassic Park. Uh, I think you're going to find elements of that sprinkled throughout this that I thought was pretty interesting, Thomas. Uh, and, and we'll even throw in Avengers Endgame <laughs> because there was one particular scene that I turned to you and I said, Avengers Assemble, you know? <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure they actually used the same like VFX template for this one particular scene that takes place on a final battlefield that they used in the Avengers Endgame final battle when you have Thanos army over here and then the Avengers army over here and they all converge. Um, like just the way that they cut between the action and the way the camera moved through the action seemed like it was right out of Endgame. So I'd be curious to compare those scenes side by side and see if they actually might have used some of those some of those templates, uh, which is possible because they've done that in other films before. So yeah, yeah. Uh, other voice talent. Uh, we have Oscar winner and we also have a, a Ted Lasso alum showing up in this too, Thomas. Yeah, you mentioned the Oscar winner. We have Michelle Yeoh. Uh, we also have uh, Ron Perlman, Peter Dinklage, and the Ted Lasso alum that we have is uh, Cristo Fernandez, uh, also known as Danny Rojas. And, football uh, is life. <laughs> football is life. It absolutely is. And uh, in this case, uh, I guess transforming is life. So... <laughs> Exactly. It, you know, to me, Thomas, this movie was fun. It was a popcorn flick. Um, I, I did appreciate seeing acting talent This the, that I would not consider A-list acting talent where everyone knows their names, other than the voice talent we talked about. But the human uh, actors, uh, it, it's not like the Tom Cruises or the Mark Wahlbergs or the Sir Anthony Hopkinses. Um, the, you know, these are, are, are names that some people are familiar with, but not everybody. And so... I appreciated that about it, and I really thought that they did spectacular, and I'm, I'm glad that they chose to, to um, cast it this particular way. Yeah, and basically uh, Anthony Ramos and then Dominique Fishback were the co-leads of this film, 
And, um, you know, I'm glad you mentioned Fishback earlier. She really is a talented actress. A few years ago, she was in Judas and the Black Messiah, and her performance there just really just kind of left me just flat on my back because it was so powerful. And obviously, comparing Judas and the Black Messiah to Transformers Rise of the Beast, those couldn't be more different, couldn't be on opposite ends of the you know, entertainment spectrum. So um, I think that showcases her versatility as a performer and um you know hopefully this is a sign that she'll continue to get more and more roles and more and more recognition and um so yeah i think fishback was was excellent so was ramos and uh dean scott vasquez as we mentioned uh the little brother uh, runtime for this is just under two hours uh you you will uh find a uh, mid-credit scene uh, as well that you you may want to stick around for uh, and especially um, if you're a fan of uh, Michael Kelly, <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> love that guy. Absolutely yeah. love that guy. Uh, and 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 um, and um, I also um, did think Thomas, even though it was less than two hours, you know, we've seen these films go into the the two and a half hour range, and we're like, oh my goodness, you know, why, why? Uh, for this one, I, I could have done with this being about ten minutes shorter. Um, but I didn't feel um, I didn't feel overwhelmed by it as I have in some of the previous Transformer films. Yeah, if we had stretched it out another twenty minutes or so, it might have been feeling that way. But ultimately, um, I had a much different feeling walking walking out of this than I did walking out of Transformers: The Last Night back in twenty seventeen, uh, which I remember you and I walking out of that theater just <laughs> just kind of completely befuddled at what we just witnessed. Yep, yep. Um, I uh, you know final thoughts for me. I, I, I did enjoy the humor in this. Um, I, I thought the casting, both uh, those who were. We saw on camera and the voice talent work. I thought the, the sound design, uh, the uh, soundtrack, uh, all those things really did click for me. Uh, there, there were times it felt just a little bloated, like I said, uh, about 10 minutes too long for me. But overall, I, I truly enjoyed this as a popcorn flick. Uh, there, there wasn't a ton of things that I felt were new about it, but I am appreciating how they're doing an, an interesting prequel aspect to the Transformers. We are uh, finding that there are new Transformers out there we've never heard of before. So that is something new. There's always a new villain. There are always some new heroes uh, that are going uh, to rise. And, and some of those are from the most unlikely of characters. And, uh, you know, we saw that when we saw um, Shia LaBeouf in that first one, who was really a very unlikely hero. Uh, it was not somebody that you would pick to, to rise and save yeah, the, I mean, the world that, and the universe. That would be like if I was chosen to you know, be, <laughs> be the vessel for Bumblebee or something. So, yeah. and, and that's the same here. Even though the, the lead character um, is a, uh, a, a, a military veteran, he's not somebody that uh, anybody ever considered a leader. And, uh, and that's one of the things that I think kind of um, held him back. And you see that within his character. But... When he has to, he finds a way to rise to the occasion. Yeah, absolutely. And you said you uh, you truly enjoyed this film. I'll say that I had a relatively uh, decent amount of fun. Uh, I think <laughs> I was a little bit more lukewarm on this than you, but I walked away from it. I, I couldn't have been 
this isn't one of those movies where I was going to walk away like mad or like feeling extremely let down. So it generally delivered on my expectations. So, and I would watch it again. If that's, that's your metric that you're using here, then yeah, I'd watch it again. I watch it with my mom who I know that you're looking forward to introducing yes. it to. Um, so I think it is a, it is a good, you know, early yeah. summer uh, popcorn flick. So yeah, I think it's uh, one of the downfalls for it for audiences is sandwiched in between uh, you know, Spider-Verse and is sandwiched in between The Flash. And that's going to be a problem. It's going to have one week of, of you know, being decent at the box office. It may not even be number one because of the legs that Spider-Verse is having. So I, I think they could have placed this at a different part uh, of the summer. I think that's, a, you know, that's a, something that should have happened. Uh, I'm, I'm blaming the studios, blaming Paramount for that. Um, we'll see. We'll see how it unfolds. But that's something that uh, that I think is going to they're, it's going to come back to bite them. Yeah, and we saw Spider Verse just completely overperform last week in its opening weekend. Uh, 120 million uh, domestic. The uh, first Spider Verse film only had 35 million domestically in its opening weekend. So. I think yeah, Spider Verse has a very real tr- real chance to come in at number one again this week. So, uh, with a massive budget film like Rise of the Beast, it's yeah, yeah it may struggle to make back um, or at least turn a huge profit. It'll probably make back its budget, but turning a huge profit in such a stacked summer lineup is going to be difficult. Uh, so yeah, I am a little bit. A little bit curious to know what the, what the Paramount was thinking right. with the the way they've delivered it, but you yeah. know, I'm not a studio exec, so <laughs> exactly, and, and you probably a, a never good, will be. It's a, and it's a very good thing it never will be. So, <laughs> well, I think you and I, even uh, even though uh, we tended to appreciate this movie differently and maybe for different reasons, I think our grade uh, was the same. I know it was when we first came out. So, what is your now that you had a chance to? digest it what's your report card grade for this oh yeah i'll give it a b minus okay and i'm right there with you b minus uh you know, good film um one worth checking out uh, if you if you're looking for kind of an escape uh from uh, from life um and uh, you know discover that maybe our, our world almost was at the end in 1994 and that was not because i got married uh do appreciate you guys <laughs> spending time with us right here on Meet Me at the Movies, uh, Thomas Manning there. Um, yeah, you one one final comment? I, I, got, I just got to say it. Um, I am Optimus Prime. <laughs> I am Optimus Prime. My name is Optimus Prime. My name is Optimus Prime. Yeah, I told you. It was right there. It was right there. We do appreciate you spending time with us right here on Meet Me at the Movies. You can uh, follow us on C19 uh, TV, uh, courtesy of Cleveland Community College always. And we uh, do appreciate you spending time with us. If you're listening to the podcast through WGWG or checking out that radio show, we appreciate that as well. And you can find that at WGWG.org. Uh, so until next time, for Meet Me in the Movies and for Thomas Manning, I'm the old man in the second. That's a wrap. Many films to view Until we meet again Next time we see you We'll gladly fill you in We'll tell about the happy and the sad ones 
We'll talk about the good ones and the bad ones Many films to view Till we meet again